office, baby! Woo! For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, between rock everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 71 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. I'm your host, Will Witten. And uh, we're here. Will's back. Back in I'm business back. with Will. Um, we've probably got a pretty short episode for you guys this week. Uh, not a lot of news, but we got some emails, so we're going to dive into it and get this banged out. I've got a three-day weekend ahead of me, so I am super excited about that of course you're excited about that um thank you columbus day because my job i get all the crazy bank holidays and stuff which should really be amerigo vespucci day oh oh do we really want to divide the audience uh, between columbus and america's vespucci vespucci i don't think there is a divide (laughs) yeah amerigo all the way I'm just saying, like, you know, are we really... We've waited 71 episodes to breach this fucking subject. The most heated historical fact ever. Columbus versus Vespucci. Let's do this thing. Let's light this candle. Well, before we get into more killer content like that, uh, (laughs) let me give you guys the business. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us at Blue Harvest Pod. Um, on Twitter, email us questions or comments, complaints or praises at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com and buy our shit, shirts, notebooks, mugs, things of that nature at tpublic.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You guys got the business, so let's, um, let's get to it. How's your week been, buddy? It's been good. Been crazy, but good. Good. Uh... My week's been a little crazy, not uh, in the same way. I um, I knocked a, a long-standing uh, wish to see a certain band off my week this week. Yeah? Finally got to see Rage Against the Machine. Oh, dude, how was that? Okay, well, I've been telling everybody for months that I was going to see Rage Against the Machine, and that's not entirely accurate. Um, the guys from Rage Against the Machine wanted to tour this year because, I mean, they're... They're a pretty politically charged band. Um, yeah. 
and it's not even that I'm into them because of that. I like the music more so than anything. You know what I'm saying? But I yeah. can I can respect their standpoint. Whatever. Anyway, um, their lead singer didn't want to do it, so they instead created a sort of a a super group, I guess you could say, and they're yeah. called the Prophets of Rage, and it's the entire band of Rage Against Machine except for uh, the singer, of course, and instead. They have uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy and Be Real from Cypress Hill taking his place. Wow. And uh, it was pretty fucking awesome. They did pretty much any Rage song that you could you would want to hear. I mean, there was a few that I would have liked to hear um, that they didn't do. Um, and a handful of Public Enemy and um, uh, Cypress Hill songs, so... It was a really good time, man. It's it's the well, it's I guess the last big like arena show I went to was Tool back in January, but I, I don't go to those nearly as much as I used to when I was That's a younger. That's the first show I ever saw with you. Mm-hmm. It's Tool. Yep, and then uh, it was even in the same venue where I saw him this year. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, we went there. Uh, it was Tuesday, so I worked Tuesday and. Took off early and headed over to Atlanta with uh, Jesse and her brother-in-law, Keith. Uh, Keith and I um, were on this immediately. He's a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. So wow. when I heard about this sort of super group thing going on, I texted him and he was like, oh, we're going if they come close. And sure enough, he got tickets and, and we went and um, it was a good time. Got back home and because, uh, you know, it's an, it's an hour ahead in Atlanta or whatever. We actually didn't get home too late. I think we were home by midnight. Um, then I stayed up to like four in the morning catching up on work. Cause I'm a fucking fool. Oh dude. No. Yeah. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I, it did uh, sort of wear me out for the next couple of days. Cause, uh, getting fucking old dude. Old. Yeah. I can't ban staying up that late. Yeah, man. I can't. Well, I don't know if you heard last week's show. I pulled a 27 hour something uh, I, I know the number has changed it's because i'm bad at math but like over 24 hours awake uh hunting for new star wars stuff on rogue friday i saw your haul yeah that looked like quite the haul i was impressed not i i compared it to the haul from last year not as big really yeah they for one they didn't put out as much stuff and um and secondly like i'm saving money for celebration so i didn't go as balls out like i didn't get because you remember last year i got all the disney infinity stuff and a sphero bb8 and all that crazy shit on um yep. force friday and this year I, I mainly concentrated on um the figures and pops so um but it was nice um uh, what was i gonna say Oh, sort of lost my train of thought there. That's nice. I got, uh, you know, uh, some podcasting buddies, part of the podcasting family, friends of ours. Uh, Steel, Mike Pappas, and Johnny Grasso are all um, at New York Comic Con right now. Are they really? Yeah, and they're all hanging out. Jealous. And, and, oh, so me jealous. too, man. Uh, just for the hanging out factor, like the con, I'm sure, is great, but just the the, the fact to hang out with all those dudes and have a good old time. Uh, and, uh, that would be priceless. Let me say that uh, it does indeed look like they are having a good old time because Mike Pappas has, um, he's Facebooked, or not Facebook, FaceTimed me twice now 
while they're out uh, hanging out and they're at some loud bar so they can't hear me at all so i'm just getting like yelled at through the phone not like in a bad way but just like why are you doing why does um and then the last time they facetimed me johnny was on some sort of rant about social media i think maybe he's had a couple of drinks i think he may be uh a little sauced up you yeah yeah he sure is night at the uh uh, marty's oh god that was a great night and those were some great voicemails Ugh, those voicemails were awful and, and i don't mean like content wise or anything but the fact that they got put on the podcast and and people heard me like i i'm fine with you guys hearing me like that but damn that's a lot of people to hear me that fucking wasted and yeah fucking i don't know man that night did a number on me i have not been i don't think i've been drunk since that night and that's been a little while back now i was like back in um I don't know, like March, right? I don't know. I can't even remember. I did so much fucking damage to my brain that night. The loneliest brain cell. Fucking, um, they started breaking out the old fashions and the bologna Big Macs, and I just uh, lost myself. <clears throat> um, oh shit, I forgot. Man, I'm, I'm having, I'm struggling tonight, man. Uh, you want to do some, You want to do a little news, and when I say a little news, it is a very little news. Yeah, let's do some baby news. Um, the you know it's funny before we got on here, Goose Payne texted me, asked me what the recipe was for Babalu queso, like the cheese cheese dip. Oh yeah, and I just texted to him. Yeah, that's funny because they're in Nashville, right? I guess so. And, he didn't tell um, me where they were. Um. Oh, they didn't tell you where they were. No. No. Yeah, they're in Nashville. They're they're hanging out in Nashville. So I wonder if they're gonna like try to make Babalu queso at at the fucking apartment or, or uh, hotel they may. or something. And for anyone that's curious, I'm sure we'll get this email or Twitter. Uh, you use a double boiler, and by what I mean by double boiler is you take a pot and you put some water in it. You bring that to a boil. And then you put another pot that fits inside that on top of the pot with the boiling water. You can also use like a mixing bowl, but it's better if you have a pot that fits, you know, pot that fits in a pot, so that that steam creates a regulated temperature surface. To uh, and in the pot above, you put four cups of milk, one cup of heavy cream, five pounds of white Velveeta, and once all that cheese melts, then you just season as you like. Some of the cool stuff I've put in there is sauteed onions and jalapenos or sauteed poblanos really fine dice so you get you know they get throughout the whole cheese dip you know you could do cumin uh paprika maybe some hot sauce uh if you want to keep it you know pretty easy you can a rotel you know right in there no no big deal damn fella you're making me hungry sorry this fucking diet man has me cranky like sometimes i'll be like why am i cranky right now Oh, it's because I'm fucking morbidly obese and I've been trying to diet lately. So my body's like, give me fast food. Yeah. It's like, why am I so angry? Oh, it's because I'm eating lean proteins and vegetables. That's <laughs> yeah. Fucking tuna and fucking. Oh, man. Matthew McConaughey got that skinny for that uh, HIV AIDS movie. God, Dallas Buyers Club uh, by eating a can of tuna fish and like six crackers a day. Oh, really? That's basically the, my lunch. 
But he looks emaciated still. Like I know he's put the weight back I, on, but something about his face still looks gone. I think that motherfucker did permanent damage to himself. Like that's not good for you. Like might have done permanent damage to his metabolism. Like what uh, Christian Bale did to get all super skinny for that movie, The Machinist, and then the Machinist. He immediately bulked up for the first Batman movie. Like that yep. can't be good for your body, right? Yeah, like that's it can't, gotta be. Right? Yeah, who knows, man. I I actually just watched that movie The Machinist in the last couple of months. Uh interesting. It is interesting. It's creepy. I'm I mean, I'm not saying it's a great movie. Just a good movie. It'll it'll mess with your your mind grapes. Mhm. Mhm. So, uh as far as Star Wars news, Star Wars news. Not much. Um Thanks to our buddies over at Making Star Wars, though, we have a little bit of a tidbit about some information on the next Rogue One trailer, which I assume will be what they consider the, the full trailer. Um, I think the, the two previous ones are still considered teaser trailers. Right. Um, but it's looking like towards the end of next week um, will be... When we'll see the next trailer. Uh, and also, that'll probably be the day advanced ticket sales start. If they do it um, anyway like they did last year with The Force Awakens. Um, and Jason over at Making Star Wars has a pretty phenomenal track record um, with this trailer stuff. So, uh, I tend to think it's probably going to happen. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Is there anything you're looking for? Out of this new trailer that you'd like to see, mm, I I want to see uh, was it Diego Luna? Is he the uh, he's like Jen Urso's handler? Yeah, the um, yeah, he's like I guess if Jen Urso is the main female lead, he's the main male lead. It seems like I feel like I haven't seen much of him at all. In, yeah, in the trailer we've gotten, I'd like to see just a little bit of him, and I get um. I get the gist behind uh, the blind monk and his bodyguard, you know. I, but I'd like to see a little more of that tag team action duo. Just you know, a snippet. You know, I don't yeah. want to see a whole scene, but I, I, you know, I got that couple of seconds of him whipping ass on a stormtrooper. But you know, just another little peek at what they can do, how they're gonna throw down. That'd be cool. You think we're gonna get a more extended look at Darth Vader? Hell no, I do not do. So? I don't. I think you got as much Vader as you're going to get. Because, I mean, I'm just thinking about it marketing as myself. Like, I, I, you'll if you get more Darth Vader than you got already, I'll be surprised. If you get the front of the helmet, I'll be shocked. You know? Like, right. I think that could be sort of indicative of how much he'll be in the movie. If we get a, a full-on shot of Vader or some more Vader, I think that could mean he's in it. Not a whole lot, but you know, more than just sort of a cameo capacity. Right. If they don't show him very much, then that makes me wonder if he's going to be in it, you know, uh, just a little bit. But uh, I'll be interested to see how it shakes out. I want to see a little more of the bad guys. Um, <coughs> some more Ben Grinch. Mendelsohn. Um, you know, some more Death Trooper action. Some more Tank Trooper action. Yeah. Um. Speaking of which, that that damn tank trooper is the bane of my existence. It's the one Star Wars Black series from Rogue One that I can't locate because it's a you fucking. Are. 
you are fixated on that tank trooper. He looks so awesome. So, so awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it uh, for news. Um, it'd be neat if it came out on Friday because that's me and Jesse's five-year anniversary. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. A little early, but you know. Yeah, I still got to make it five uh, or, or a week. She could get tired of my ass and leave yeah. this next week. Don't don't fuck up in the next seven days. Yeah, did you? Yeah, you might have just jinxed me, man. <laughs> I didn't put the bad juju on you. Be coming to sleep on your couch like she kicked me out, and you'd be like, you, "Yeah, you but bad, she... you you bad jujued yourself." <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to hop into some emails and some voicemails and some? Some squ- hop on in. correspondences with our lovely listeners. Now, our buddy Richie from jo- uh, Justin, Boston wrote in or sent in a voicemail uh, last week. Um, and he actually, um, I didn't play it because you weren't on. And I figured this uh, he he's here to school us a little bit about Boston. Uh, I I was because the time before I asked about the you know movies and things that accurately portray Boston. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, get ready to. to be, I'm going to call this segment uh, "Going to School with Richie from Boston." What's up, my Blue Harvest brothers? This is Richie from Boston. Hey. I just wanted to check in with you guys and follow up on that conversation that Steve started last week about shitty attempts at Boston accents. Well, you guys had talked about movies as well, so let me put it to you this way. There are no non-native Bostonians that can do the accent. I've heard it in, in The Departed. I've heard it in The Town. I've heard it in several other movies, and they all suck. Even natives like Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is from here. Dude, your accent is fucking terrible. You spent too much time away from here and then tried to put on the accent like, oh, you're all Mr. Boston and everything. You're a Hollywood dude, so shut the fuck up. The only two that ever got it right are Mark Wahlberg, who's in Ted, and um, who's the other asshole? Uh, Matt Damon, who's in, uh, especially in Goodwill Hunting, because I think that was his first role. So I don't Oh. Did his voicemail cut off? Shit. Damn it. Oh. As far as Boston-based movies and stuff, you know, my family grew up in the shadow of the Bunker Hill Monument in Charlestown. So when you talk about the departed and fucking that asshole Whitey Bulger, um, you know, my grandfather, he knew Howie Winter who was the guy that ran the Winter Hill gang before Whitey Bulger. Um, yeah, those guys are all assholes. And as far as, like, the town, which, you know, is supposed to be about bank robberies and Charlestown and all that shit, look, I don't like that shit. My family's from Charlestown. They left that town for a reason. And it was because of all the bullshit that went down. So as far as movies that glorify all that shit... Fuck you. The Boston-based movies are usually pretty fucking terrible. The only one that was good was Ted, and um, I'd even give, I'd even call The Departed a good movie. You know, aside from the fact that it focuses on a bunch of pricks that really just fucking ruined a nice town, um, it was educational to say the least. 
So that's all I got. Figured I'd check in with my brothers and give a shout to my good buddy Steve, my Boston brother, and follow up and finish up this message by saying, Rojas, baby! Woo! <laughs> Richie taking some shots at Ben Affleck and the town. Richie, I am sorry that I like the town, buddy, and I'm, I am sorry that... Uh, that it glorifies such a shitty situation. Um, you know, that's something I've not really looked into is, you know, a lot of times when these movies uh, depict themselves as being a true story or based, based off of true... on right. actual events. I was wondering how accurate the town is, and I've never really looked into it. I don't think it is super accurate. Um, but it's like that movie, The Fourth Kind where like aliens take people in Nome, Alaska and they're like based on actual events. And like, there's no, the doctor in that movie is not real. That's all made up. Every, every aspect of that movie is made up except for the fact that people in Nome, Alaska disappear like on a higher rate. Oh really? Um, I mean, Nome, Alaska is in the middle of nowhere. It's freezing. Like people can, there are lots of woods around it. It's always like super sub zero cold. And like, of course people, get lost in that that you know more than normal i could or it could be something paranormal i don't know but that was the only truth to that whole movie i could listen to richie from boston say the departed with his accent all day that was a great little schooling session like he dropped some mad knowledge right there um well i feel better off for having known that we uh we actually have a question uh, we'll call the, the we'll continue this boston theme we got going on because here comes our buddy steve with a voice message Oz, will quick question here uh well not really quick so i apologize uh, in the rogue one trailer when we see the imperial guards on either side of this uh see, i don't know what to call it yet people are calling it a back to tank i think this topic may have been discussed already but it was just kicking up again yesterday online. I don't think it's a back to tank. I, I'm not getting that. Anytime we've seen a, well, we haven't seen back to tanks many times, so one or tw- once or twice. The fluid's been clear. Doesn't look like some kind of, you know, non-transparent haze. And I don't think the dude is, whoever that guy is is kneeling. I think he's still walking toward the thing. So maybe the Imperial Guards are Maybe the Emperor's there, but the uh, maybe he's gonna kneel and, and show us the Emperor. Um, shit, my phone just died. Sorry, Steve. Uh, I, I do know what the rest of his message is about. His message is about as if it is the Emperor. What does that mean? Um, because we've Ian McDermott recently went on record at like a con or something, saying that he's not involved in Rogue One. So, um, you know, I think that pretty much rules it out. Uh, he, uh, speculates that maybe that is some sort of cooling device for the kyber crystals that, uh, power the, the weapon on the Death Star, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's, that's more likely than a back to tank, honestly. Um, I was about to say, I'm not necessarily convinced that's a back to tank either because, It could be any aspect of the technology for, you know, that entire Death Star or wherever that's at. How do we even know that's on the Death Star, you know? If there are, 
Imperial Guards present that maybe, you know, it may be, okay, let's say Darth Vader is in the presence of the Emperor and Krennic or someone else has to come meet with him and get force choked out. Obviously, it wouldn't be Krennic, but, uh, you know, someone meets their inevitable doom in the in, in the same ship as the Emperor or something. Uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty likely that it's the Death Star. But you could be right. That could be like a Star Destroyer or something. Um, I have something just the way it's glowing and stuff. And we know the Death Star is powered by either a whole bunch of kyber crystals or a giant kyber crystal or something to that effect. Um, Makes me think that that has something to do with the weapon. Like the the super laser or turbo laser. I think they call it a super laser. Um, You know, inside the Death Star. Um, that's just my guess. Now, if it's a back to tank, you know, that's fine. It's not like going to ruin the movie for me. No, me uh, either. I just have this hunch. If you're going to put Darth Vader in it, I don't think you would show him vulnerable and in a back to tank. You know, it's the few moments of vulnerability we really get from Darth Vader are, you know, in Empire Strikes Back when you see him in the meditation chamber, that's not necessarily vulnerability. You just kind of get a peek at the back of his skull. And, I mean, to me, that's perceived vulnerability. If you see him out of the armor, that's vulnerability. You know, like, he's not the monster anymore. It humanizes him a little bit. And then when you see Sebastian Shaw at the very end of Jedi, that's total, you know, humanization, total vulnerability. So I just doubt that you would see him disrobed and in a back-to-tank. I, I I can agree with that. Um, uh, another one of Steve's questions was, if that's not the Emperor, what are the Royal Guards doing there? And if it's not the Emperor, I think the Royal Guards could be there because they're, they're there to protect maybe the installation of this last component of the um, Death Star. Like, he, he wants to make sure this shit goes smoothly so he's not sending some fucking couple of stormtroopers he sends his two of his personal guard to oversee it you know right they're they're looking out for the emperor's most highest interest right you know and if there's something like let's say you need top secret clearance to even get in that control room to alter anything you know they're gonna make sure nobody that that doesn't need to be in that area isn't in that area like the area 51 of the death star or something right um, and so next up, we've got an email from our buddy Chris, and he he writes in with his own idea for an Obi-Wan spinoff movie. Um, and this is what he says to say, Hey, fellas, after hearing a great discussion last week between Halls and Evan about what the potential story for an Obi-Wan standalone film could be, I thought I would share what I think could make for an excellent tale starring Ewan McGregor as an exiled Jedi Knight. Some of these elements I've heard before, but I do not remember where or from whom I heard them in order to give them credit. First, the movie would be set entirely on Tatooine. Obi-Wan wouldn't leave Luke attendant, albeit unattended, albeit from afar, for any reason. The plot would focus on a serious and looming threat to the moisture farmers, a resurgent band of Tusken raiders hell-bent on taking revenge for the slaughter of one of their tribes by a human that wielded a fiery blue blade and powerful magic. Yes, that's Anakin Skywalker from Attack of the Clones I'm talking about. 
the Sand People's leader, a vicious Tuscan warlord, wants revenge for the murder of his friends and family those many years ago while he was away on a raiding party. After years of amassing enough followers and making preparations, he sets his sights on the moisture farmers, especially the Lars homestead. Perhaps he traced Anakin back there. Obi-Wan is the only one who can save them and must if he is to protect Luke in order to, for him to grow up and defeat the dark side. Concurrently, the story will focus on Obi-Wan's struggle with Anakin's betrayal, trying to survive in such a harsh environment, maybe some PTSD from the Clone Wars, the pain of isolation, and a bit of him trying to commune with Qui-Gon through the Force. The movie will ultimately answer why Obi-Wan took up the pseudonym Ben and why Owen Lars has such a distrust for him in Episode 4. To me, that's plenty enough intrigue, drama, and exposition that would make up for a Star Wars movie that stayed on one planet. Maybe call it The Battle of the Dune Seas, a Star Wars story, or just Kenobi, a Star Wars story. What do you think? I think that's a pretty fucking solid idea. Um, yeah, I think I think that'd be good. No, I, on all fronts, I, I like it. You know what actually intrigues me the most about that is I, I'd like the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the Tuscans. Like, are they just crazy dudes that live out in the in this in the sand? Are they human? Like, like those are masks, right? That they right. wear. So I, I assume I, they're I human guess. or humanoid. Um, and I know there's been some expanded universe stuff about Tuscans, but I'm not. You know, uh, that's not considered canon anymore. So I would like to know a little bit more about what's going on with them. And that seems like a pretty good idea um, for, you know, uh, to uh, sort of have a a place where you could do that. Um, I also like the uh, mental image of Obi-Wan just fighting like large groups of Tuscans and just whipping their ass. Um but then you gotta, you got the problem with that is if you're gonna have this big climactic duel between like the Tuscan Raider and Obi Wan, like a gaffy stick is not gonna fucking hold up against the lightsaber or the Force. So you know maybe I don't know. You got to find some way to make that just not a two second battle where Obi Wan cuts this dude in half. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um. And he has a follow-up question for us. Sorry, but I have a follow-up question that I think Halls may be able to answer for me. Do you believe that Boba Fett had it out for Han before what happened at the Sarlacc pit? It seems like all fans think that Boba Fett always had hate for Han going back to before even the original trilogy era. To me, Boba only went after Han in Empire Strikes Back because it was strictly business. Boba isn't the type to have a personal vendetta, unless you're Mace Windu, of course. I appreciate your thoughts. Have a good weekend, Chris. Um, that's a good question on if Boba Fett had a personal vendetta uh, against Han. I've seen it spun that way. Um, and, you know, I, I'm pretty sure this isn't considered canon anymore, but in the special edition, or not special edition, fucking um, Christmas christmas special there was that cartoon where they uh, run into boba fett and and all that stuff it was actually boba fett's first appearance that bounty hunter who ran into an ord mandel really changed my mind um and and maybe it's just if if boba fett has some sort of grudge about against um han maybe it's because 
it's um he just can't catch him and he's like man fuck this guy he's always evading right. me uh, you know like i said you know like you just said there's no canon evidence that he had a vendetta against han um but if he did it may be because he was the one he's the bounty that got away you know right right um and uh, you know honestly that's something i could see them a sort of establishing in the han solo movie um you know that could be sort of something that they end up establishing as some sort of backstory between han and boba fett because you know uh luke has darth vader as like his ultimate villain you know what i'm saying yeah um and i could see you know like a lot of times you you pit han solo against boba fett like in the fans do so i could see that being the case where you know maybe they start off working together and and han screws over boba fett or vice versa and then they do give them some sort of prior history um that you know sort of affects the whole thing you know just goes to show you what an awesome <laughs> girlfriend you know princess leia is you get your ass frozen in carbonite she'll hunt you down she'll put a plan in action to get your ass out and then she'll strangle choke the dude that had you captured like that's a bad bitch right there she's awesome i see i'd like to think that that would be jesse like if if somebody kidnapped me and froze me in a big block of ice she'd come break me out with like you and um walter and dharma and um i don't know who would be lando johnny grasso maybe that'd be funny Mm -hmm. (laughs) what have we here come and break me out and then uh choke the dude uh that uh, orchestrated yeah. the whole thing, but more than likely, I would be the fat guy that gets choked in that situation. So, uh, Richie from Boston comes in with an email, and this is a pretty tight fucking email here. Um, I like this email. <clears throat> I was going to piggyback off of a recent episode of Blue Harvest when you had given your top five Star Wars moments. Most of mine are tied to family and events, which is what makes Star Wars so appealing to me. Instead of talking about five moments, I thought I'd bring up just one of my favorite. So here goes. I was born in 1981, and I was a huge Masters of the Universe fan. We had little money, but my parents and grandparents made sure that I had a happy childhood. Looking back, I think I had about three quarters of the Masters line. So naturally, a kid my age should have no connection to Kenner Star Wars line. Or you, so you thought. So how does a kid at my age have an association with these at all? Easy. I have a young family. My mom and dad were super young when I was born, and my aunt was only 12. One day, around 1986 or 87, with nothing to do, I snooped around my grandparents' attic until I stumbled across this giant coffee can that seemed to be calling to me. To me, this right here sounds like uh, when the lightsaber calls to Rey and The Force Awakens. Sounds like the beginning of a 1980s Steven Spielberg movie or something to me. Right, right. Well, this is just as magical. I blew the dust off the lid and lifted it. Inside the can was an epic adventure that I'd embark on for years to come. The original Kenner 3.75-inch figures from Star Wars and Empire. What? My aunt's old collection. If you name the figure, it was in my aunt's collection. I played played with them for years. To this day, I have followed through on my many Star Wars traditions, and they all point back to this moment. My aunt saw The Force Awakens sometime in January, and she called me from Long Island and spoke for me, with me for an hour and a half about it. I, looked, I look 
Oh, man. Sorry. I took my little brother, 10 years my junior, to see the prequels when they came out. Our first viewing of The Force Awakened was the exact same way. I bought the 3.75 figures from TFA for my children so they could have the same fulfilling experience that I had when I was a child. And that, to me, is what Star Wars is all about. Family. Okay, I'm done being sappy. Thanks for helping me take that trip down memory lane. Richie from Boston. P.S. Oh, that was great. Hey, Will, I thought your khakis joke was cute. My voicemail was directed at the Hollywood folk. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, I think that's an awesome story. I actually have sort of a similar story um, with the 3.75 figures. Not in that epic of a qual- uh, quantity, but... When I was a kid and couldn't find Star Wars stuff because it was not on the shelves anymore, um, I guess someone that my dad worked with, um, their kid was getting rid, rid of some of their toys or selling off some of their toys. So one day, my dad came home with this cardboard box that at the time seemed like it was filled with 100 action figures. Probably not that many by any stretch of the imagination. And I remember the ones, I remember some of the ones that were in there. There was a Vader in there. Um, He didn't have his cape. There was an Obi-Wan in there that didn't have his cape. They both still had like their little push-out lightsabers. Um, There was a squid face. There was um, maybe a, no, definitely a C-3PO and an R2-D2. Squid face is a Quarian, right? Yes, yes. And um, there was a couple of um, mini rigs. Um, I didn't know that that's what they were called at the time. I just thought they were cool little vehicles. But uh, now I know that they were mini rigs, which were sort of like their budget vehicle line. They'd be like these tiny little um, one-person vehicles, all stuff that wasn't in the movie, like all stuff that Kenner just created to sell some toys, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, man, that was awesome. I ended up playing with so many of those figures. I lost some. Some of them went in the... The house fire. I actually still have the squid face. Um, I still have a Death Star droid and a C-3PO um, from those. And uh, interestingly enough, I had a cool little um, Star Wars vintage thing happen this week. Um, I entered a raffle on this Instagram page called Toys from the 80s. And, in, and this dude uh, has a impressive vintage toys collection and he posts all these cool pictures on his instagram um and not just star wars stuff he posts he-man stuff he posts gi joe stuff um i've seen all kinds of cool stuff well anyway he had a raffle with six different prizes all of them vintage star wars related so i entered and um he started he he did the drawing for the raffle and he put out individual instagram videos of each like okay this is the first place here's the random winner of the first place prize so i saw the first place prize and i didn't win that and i thought i looked at all the other um videos and i was like oh that's cool i didn't win it you know you win some you lose some mm-hmm. well on the way home from the rage against machine concert the other night I get a message from him on Instagram that's like, hey, I need your shipping address. You won the second place prize. And holy shit, I went back and looked at it, and I, it, the one video I didn't watch was me winning a sweet-ass boxed complete uh, patrol do-back vintage. Oh, dude. And a carded hammerhead. Wow. And uh, those showed up in the mail today. 
and they are beautiful. Proudly talk displayed about, right now. Talk about sweet additions to your collection. Yeah, I'm actually going to send you um, a picture right now. Um, the do-back, that, that's super cool for me because I was fascinated. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you about this. Like, I was obsessed with a kid or as a kid. You know how um, right now, uh, how currently I'm obsessed with having an English bulldog or petting a tiger? Yes. When I was a kid, yes. I wanted an iguana so bad. And to me, I thought it was so awesome that the stormtroopers got to ride around on giant iguanas. And I always wanted a do-back and couldn't find one. And well, now I got one sitting up on my shelf. Yeah, man. Um, got your picture. That's awesome. Right? So awesome. <clears throat> um, the hammerheads are Ichthorians, right? They are indeed. And here is a little... I took another picture of the do-back um, with the rest of my vintage collection, which like I said, I don't have much and, uh, only a couple of them are still complete. Um, but that's, uh, my do back. Um, but yeah, you guys should definitely follow him. It's toys from the eighties on Instagram. And he has another account. Uh, I think the link is in his bio where he actually sells some stuff. And, uh, he does like, I, th I believe monthly raffles that you can enter in and, and try to earn something cool. Um, you guys should definitely give them a follow because, you know, you could luck out and, and earn a or win a, a, a cool vintage Star Wars prize like me. Because these are awesome what I'm looking at. Yeah, you see the do-back there in the background? I do. That stormtrooper in him didn't come with it. Those do-backs uh, didn't come with a figure, but luckily I had a, a loose stormtrooper that I could put down in there. Uh, um, of course you did. Of course I did. <laughs> Speaking of you hugging a tiger, I sent Jesse a pin on Pinterest of this guy hugging a tiger and the tiger's up on his hind legs. And I thought you would like that. I don't know if mm -hmm. she showed you that or not. but uh, She may not have shown it to me for two reasons. It could be, one, she hasn't been on Pinterest lately. She's been Simpson tapped out like crazy lately. She got back into that Simpsons tapped out game uh -oh. and has been on it non-stop like she's tapping and tapping and and getting her town up to five stars something i cannot hate on because i've played halo for fucking 14 hours straight or some dumb shit you know right yeah um but anyway uh she may have not been on pinterest or she did see it and was like fuck i don't want to hear two hours of that's going to be me one day Jesus will stop encouraging him. Yeah, that's gonna be me one day. I'm gonna hug a tiger like that. It was it was the one thing that made me feel like you wouldn't be Meals on Wheels. I was like, maybe he actually can hug a tiger. You know, really more so than hugging a tiger, which I do want to do, um, or at least just pet a tiger. I want to hang out with a tiger cub, like a Walter-sized tiger cub, or even a Dharma-sized tiger cub. I feel like that's totally doable. Yeah, yeah, I want to do it in a way, like, because I know, like, um, like I've been to Mexico and the Dominican Republic, and sometimes they'll have these less than reputable looking spots where you can go, and it'll be like, hang out with wild animals, and it'll have, like, monkeys and tigers and stuff on, the, but that seems a little shady, and, like, the tigers aren't really well taken care of, you yeah. know, that that's yeah. also uh, gonna, like, I don't want to be there and be like, oh, this poor tiger. Knowing you, you'd be tempted to kidnap the tiger and take it home and give it a better life. See, yes, in some ways, but in the other, like, I know, 
Like, even if I was a millionaire, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't be one of those dudes that had a pet tiger. You know? You like liar. A, you ball-faced liar. I am not yes, lying. Would. I would have you a would, fleet. You would, of, you would pay for your own tiger sanctuary so that you could own your own tigers. Now, that's a little different. Now, there's a tiger sanctuary about two hours north of us called Tigers for Tomorrow. Jesse actually took me there um, for my 30th birthday, and it was great. Like, it is just this huge animal sanctuary. They don't just have tigers. They have grizzly bears and wolves and panthers and cougars and leopards yeah. and... And like I'm unrealistic. I want a wolf. I think having a wolf, you know, as you know, a canine companion would yeah. be incredibly awesome. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's you can get dogs that are are part wolf and stuff, and it's a little safer. I don't know about a full bred wolf, you know. Um, yeah. Now, if I won the lottery, I would completely fund um, Tigers for Tomorrow for for sure. I'd be like, you guys, what do you need? Here's a It'd whole be bunch of movies. For Halls no, for tomorrow. Uh, for tomorrow. For Halls.com. EU. AU. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would I would I would totally fund them and I'd be like, look, my only condition is uh, you guys know the friendly big cats in your preserve. The one that wouldn't claw my face off. I don't even need to be in like just if the tiger could come up against the fence and I could pet him through the fence, that's fine with me. I don't need to get in the enclosure. Now, if they maybe have a tiger cub that I could hang around with on like a daily basis until he knows me, then when he's a full-grown tiger, could like hug me and I could hug a tiger. That's just that's just icing on the cake, my friend. Yes, sir. That's just icing on the cake. Do you remember when we <laughs> used to start every day with an episode of Big Cat Diaries? Oh, yeah. That used to be our morning ritual. I would wake up and get ready for work. And, and before I would leave for work, we would hang out on the couch and watch at least an episode of Big Cat Diaries. Which, not tigers, they're lions, but still, I'd hug a lion too. There were lots of things. There were like uh, like pumas and jaguars. Oh, yeah. And we started learning because, you know, they give all the animals names. Kike. Kike. Oh, Kike. Kike, look at it go. You know what I watched for the first time first time this week that actually you might be seeing a new side of me that's a little less delusional, uh, delusional about hanging out with tigers. Um, I watched that documentary Grizzly Man. Oh, yeah. I'd never seen it before. Um, for those of you don't, that don't know, it's a, a documentary that's put together of footage um, that was taken by this dude who lived in like the Alaskan wilderness for like three or four months out of the year, um, like during the spring, I believe, when when the bears are going like out hunting salmon when the salmon are on the runs and stuff. Basically, um, lived with the grizzlies. He did. He lived with grizzlies, and uh, spoiler alert: it doesn't turn out well for him. Um, and uh, there were a lot of interviews, like this dude. Um, filmed himself a lot and and just the way he talked about how hanging out with the tigers and stuff I was like you know what I might be like one mental breakdown away from that being me but with tigers and uh, I'm not cool with that because uh, they did not find much of this poor bastard um, no, they found the camera they found the camera um, and not to get too grim they found his head and they found his rib cage and they found one of his arms 
with a wrist wristwatch still on it. Uh, everything else they did find, but it was inside a bear. Yeah. Um, and as much as I do want to hug a tiger, I ain't looking to get fucking eaten. I'll buy that tiger a nice steak dinner, but uh, I ain't going to yeah. let him eat me. Maybe the bad leg. Like if they were like, look, you can bet a tiger, but uh, you got to amputate. start chewing on it like a cat toy and you'd be like, hey, hey, come on now. <laughs> like I, I was sitting here thinking that just for even for the joke, I was going to be like, yeah, I'd let him eat the bad leg. But then mental like maybe. Mm, yeah, not even for the joke. Maybe not no. even for the joke. Because once he got the taste <laughs> of that blood. They'd have yes. to kill him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, that's a good point. Like, that's good. Good. Good way to keep me grounded, there, buddy. Um, next up, we have an email from our buddy Aaron. Howdy, gentlemen. I hope you've been well. Halls, have you been hunting down hover tank troopers at Toys R Us? I've been trying. Haven't been successful. I wasn't able to get one, but it was only the only thing missing from my list of Rogue Friday, so I consider it a success. I agree. Judging by what I what I hear and read on the internet, Rogue One is already the black sheep of the Star Wars film universe. It makes sense to me that people aren't as excited about this movie as they are for Episode Eight, but it seems like the film is already the stepchild in the Star Wars universe. Jason from Making Star Wars has said as much on Now This Is Podcasting. I'm super excited about Episode Eight, but I feel like right now I am focusing all of my energy and fandom on Rogue One. I've got plenty of time to be excited about Episode 8. Also, how can you not be excited about Rogue One? Death Troopers? Scarif Troopers? I saw Scarif on a toy package, so to me, that's official. Also, it sounds much cooler than store, store, or Shore Troopers. Hover Tank Troopers? Krennic? There's too much awesome in this movie. I'm ready to see Krennic be awesome. Hashtag Mendo. Rogue One is going to do fantastic at the box office, but I feel like Disney might be holding back a little bit because of Episode 8, as in marketing and such. I feel that's a shame because I'm almost positive this movie is going to be great, and I'd be willing to bet that it meets and in some instances beats the expectations. How does your enthusiasm differ for the upcoming Star Wars flick? Any particular reason? Halls, you've spoken some about this, but I'm curious if you could elaborate. Also, what if the th- what is the thing you're most excited about seeing in Rogue One? Thanks, gentlemen. May the force be with you, Aaron. So uh, that's a good question. Um, how do you feel about this uh, ramp up to Rogue One? Do you feel like they've been holding back? Um, I f- I feel like it's been measured, you know, to some degree. It hasn't been the full fledged Episode Seven, but I mean. I get just episode seven broke the ice. You know, it was the first Star Wars in years, you know, following up a story that's even later than that. So there's no way it can pack that punch. But I mean, definitely on the merchandise, it hasn't been. I don't I don't feel like it's been any less marketable. Right now, when we're talking about TV time, you know. I, I obviously I think less, but not when it comes to merchandise. Um, I'll say, you know, they did do less of certain things for Rogue One. Um, there's less vehicles. There's less three and three quarter inch figures in the first wave. I compared the two first waves um, from this year and last year. 
Um, and I think maybe that has more to do with the disappointment in people not being able to get merch last year. Maybe they produced smaller waves so they could produce more of those waves to try right. and get them into more people's hands without them all getting fucking eBay scalped. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the marketing has been a little more subdued. You bring up an excellent point. You're gonna, it's gonna be hard to hit the hype level of the continuation of the Star Wars saga. Um, even for me, when the prequels were first coming out, and we were still under the assumption that there would probably be uh, three movies after Return of the Jedi, after they did the prequels, I was like, fuck yes, I am super excited about these prequels. Partly because I know when they're done, we're getting the next three that are after Return of the Jedi. So right. that's always been sort of what I'm more interested in. Even as a kid, I felt like I grasped the basic concept of what happened with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean that I wasn't excited to finally see those movies or anything like that. It's just, you know, I wanted to see more Luke and Han and, and Leia mm -hmm. and Lando and all those guys. So Obi-Wan told me how that shook out in the beginning of A New Hope. You know, and then basically I'm watching the prequel just to see how exactly it went right right um so it being sort of this unknown territory in star wars canon as far as like official canon goes that was you're gonna it's gonna be hard pressed to reach that level of excitement again i feel so i think that has a lot to do with it i think um i, I think the marketing push for it has only just begun i think you're going to be seeing tons of tv spots like i said we talked about earlier it looks like the next trailer is coming fairly shortly so yeah. Um, I'm personally very excited about it now. It's got, you know, I wouldn't say my response was even lukewarm. It's just hard not to be super excited about episode eight after episode seven turned out to be so good and had that fucking ending with Luke Skywalker. Like that's a huge thing left hanging that I can't wait to see addressed as Luke so Skywalker. True. So I think so that true. has to do with it too. Um, and, and, you know, like Aaron, I have no doubts that Rogue One is going to do very well in the theater. And I think the hype for Rogue One may come at a later point after it comes out. And if it's really good and gets really good reviews and fan response, then you'll start really hearing Rogue One super hype. Um, but I think really, you know, the bulk of the marketing has yet to even hit us yet. Right. Um, but I can't wait now. Our next email is from um, our buddy Vincent, the Mando Kenobi. Um, and in order to address his email, I should give you a little backstory. Um, you haven't been keeping up with Rebels, right? You haven't seen any of season three? I have not. Well, let me give you a quick synopsis um, of last um, week's episode, The Holocrons of Fate. Uh, long story short, uh, Maul takes prisoner of the entire ghost crew, Hera, Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper, everybody but Kanan and Ezra. And he contacts Kanan and Ezra and tells them if they want um, the crew back safe and sound, they need to deliver to him the Jedi Holocron and the Sith Holocron. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, Kanan has to go retrieve the Sith holocron from this character called the Bindu that he left it with. Um, the Bindu tells him that the reason Maul wants these is because if you can tr combine a Jedi and a Sith holocron, 
you were given this unimaginable amount of knowledge that can sort of basically it, it works kind of like um a fortune teller almost like you can it, it can answer questions and things right okay so long story short they meet up with maul maul tries to betray them but eventually he and uh ezra combine the jedi and the sith holocron before they do maul asks um ezra what he's looking to learn from this process and Ezra says he's looking for a way to destroy the Sith Maul says that he's looking for hope that's all he says so they combine the holocrons they both have these visions and during the visions Ezra says twin sons like that's what he's seeing in the vision Mm -hmm. and Maul says he's alive all right and he gets all freaked out by this. He runs to his ship and he flies away. And after this is all said and done, Kanan asks Ezra what he sees. And he says that it was so much that he can't really decipher it all. He saw f- planets and places and people. Some of the planets he knew, some of he didn't. Now, uh, our buddy Vin- Vincent uh, has to has this to to say about this episode. Now that I've gotten you sort of caught up. Before we get to that... Um, what do you think Ezra's talking about when he says twin sons? Obviously, you know, Luke Skywalker on Tatooine. Exactly. Um, or I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think, well, Ezra specifically said he was looking for a way to destroy the Sith. I think the Holocron showed him, oh, there's a way to destroy the Sith out there. Uh, it's this kid that's living on yeah. Tatooine. You know, right. I think you're right on the nose with that. What do you think Maul meant by he's alive? Either Obi-Wan Kenobi or Anakin. I don't think it would be Anakin because Maul really doesn't have any ties to Anakin. You know, they sort of had their, um, you know, really, I don't relate Maul to Anakin. I think if you combine the twin sons vision, the Tatooine vision, and sort of assume that that's also what Maul saw in the vision, then I think Obi-Wan is the the logical answer. I think he realizes the dude that fucking fucked him up, cut him in half and shit, was still alive. Yeah, like if, and I'm thinking if I'm Darth Maul, the only thing that would really scare me was Obi-Wan Kenobi. I really think we're probably going to see the final duel between Obi-Wan and Maul and Rebels. Oh, that would be awesome. If they're if they did drop those hints and that is what they mean, then they're kind of assholes if they don't do it. You know? Yeah. I honestly think Maul may go to Tatooine to try and find this is what I would say. Now this is probably way off. I think they might go to Tatooine, um, figure out that that's the place from the visions or something. Um, go to Tatooine with the intent of just trying to find Obi-Wan and kill him, maybe run across Luke and realize that Luke is strong in the force and try it and, and come up with some sort of plan to take Luke as his, his personal apprentice or something. And that's when Obi-Wan steps in and completely demolishes Darth Maul for the, the last and final time. Um, That would be totally sweet. That would be, but who knows? Um, and this is what Vincent had to say. Howdy, guys. Excuse me as I fanboy a second. 
Holy crap, these Rebels episodes, though. I'm loving everything we're seeing so far. Even Hondo snorting was great. But I completely agree that Thrawn needs to enunciate his lines a lot better. That's the other thing. Uh, they introduced Grand Admiral Thrawn in the season premiere. And uh, he's a bit of a low talker. Low talker. We will watch these Rebels with great interest. Um, but now to the matter at hand. Maul knows that Obi-Wan is alive and on Tatooine, I hope. It's always nice to have Obi-Wan references. Will we see him in the animated show? Who knows? Will we see him in a movie? God, I hope so. I God, just I can't so. wait to watch Obi-Wan whoop Maul's mechanical ass all over again. It'll be great. Furthermore, I can't help but agree with Evan about the possible Obi-Wan spinoff. He brought up some great points, though it would be rad if Maul somehow got Obi-Wan back on Mandalore. Really tug at those feels chords, if you know what I mean. Anyway, keep on being the best damn Star Wars podcast out there. Well, thanks, buddy. Vinny. Thanks. P.S. I couldn't get on for the Death Star expansion. Maybe we can play some Overwatch or sometime. Well, I'd be down with that, Vinny. You just need to add me on Xbox. Um, I'd be down to play some Overwatch or some Battlefront. I actually did, uh, last Friday after recording with Evan, get on and play a little bit of the Death Star expansion with um, Vader Nick and John and John's brother and uh, Vader Nick's son. Um, Jordan was there for a little bit, but he was a sleepy boy. He had to go to bed. Couldn't hang with the big sleepy. boys, could you, Jordan? Sleepy boy. Mr. Football Star, all tired from wooing the ladies with your football skills. Flexing your muscles. Being athletic and fucking healthy, unlike me. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, um... I don't know. I, like, I, I seriously have a hard time imagining that the live-action movie will deal with Obi-Wan versus Maul. Because they brought Maul back in the animated series, the general public doesn't watch that. And then to have They'd Maul... They'd be like, what the fuck? where the hell did this guy come from? And that's a whole lot to try and explain in a movie. You know, oh, I came back and I got these mechanical legs. and Even with a flashback. Yeah, I was on Mandalore and, and all this stuff. Um I do like I I like his idea about getting um, Obi Wan back on Mandalore somehow because of the whole Duchess Satine thing and and uh, her and um um. There's a buttload of speculation that Ray is Obi Wan's child. I mean, there's look, you name it, grandchild. I you mean. name it, and and there's just about any kind of speculation for Ray. You know. Yeah. Um. We'll see. We will see, my friend, about that one. Um, and partially, I would just like to see Mandalore in a live-action movie, to be completely honest. Um, I wonder if we'll ever get that. Maybe if we do ever get this sweet Boba Fett movie. Come on, guys. All right. It's a perfect place to show Mandalore. Sounds good to me. We got one last email, and then we'll call it a night. And this is from our buddy Luke. All's and will. Special thank you to Halls for letting me vent my Rogue One, Rogue Friday frustrations. It was a lot of fun talking, collecting with you. Yeah, Luke and I, we uh, we were both out hunting at the same time and updating each other uh -huh. um, on what we found and what we were looking for. Now on to my question. All the stores around me are stocked fully on nearly everything. I can find any Black Series figure except the Tank Trooper and any Funko Pop. 
Do you think this year and year's response? Do you think this is in response to the black backlash from Force Friday last year with the lack of stock, bad marketing, or a combination of both? Could this possibly be an indicator that most people don't care about Rogue One? The reason I ask is because I'm afraid if there is a lot of excess, excess stock, they might ramp it back down for episode eight, and we won't be able to find anything again. Thoughts? No way in hell. Thanks, Luke. Um, <clears throat> this is the thing. I think it's sort of a weird amalgamation of things. I will say... When I was out Rogue Friday shopping, um, despite Walmarts that I went to that put their stuff out early and somehow people bought it, I did see a lot of stock. Uh, it took going to a Target to finally get the Black Series, but when I went to that Target, they had so many Black Series. Way more stock than they had last year. So I think it's a combination of having more stock, being better stock this year. Um, I think it is a combination of... There's just not that hype for Rogue One for the regular public. Um, I'm just saying let it set in. Let the movie drop. Let all the kids see the movie. Let them request the toys for Christmas. Boom, there go all your, you know, there, <coughs> there go the toys. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a very good point. Um, you know, I think the Star Wars stuff is still selling well. You know, I, I and I think there may even be, you know, he may be right in that there was a little bit of a backlash because of the low stock last year. Also, this year, something they did differently than in previous years is that they allowed people to pre-order some of the products online at different retailers, and you couldn't do that last year. So I think, you know, maybe a lot of people went that route. Instead of going to stores and hunting the stuff, they were like, fuck it. I can order all this stuff, do, you know, uh, quick shipping, and I'll have it just as fast. Um and, uh, you know, and I think, like I said, I think it's just sort of a combination of all this. I think there are still going to be things like the Death Trooper um, Black Series that are going to be sort of hard to find um, yeah. unless you go to the right place. Um, and I think as far as will they step back on Episode 8 stuff, I don't think so. Because I think Hasbro will be smart enough to know that even if the Rogue One line underperforms which I'm not saying it is, I don't think it is. Um, but if it were to, to, at the end of the day, underperform as a line, I think they would still be smart enough to recognize, well, it's a beast of a different color. Episode 8, we're going to have Luke Skywalker figures and Ray, new Ray figures and Kylo figures and yeah. Leia figures. And, well, hopefully they haven't done, I'm going to have to say they have not done a whole lot of The Force Awakens Leia merchandise the only figure uh of leia from the force awakens that i have is the 3.75 black inch um figure and it is not a good looking figure um they need to work on those paint jobs yeah and uh, i mean uh we haven't talked about this i've talked about this a good bit on last week's episode and on rogue one this week but um i'm pretty pleased with the rogue one stuff as far as paint applications go and stuff. Maybe they got the hint. Um, the Cassian Andor six-inch figure looks pretty busted. Uh, I would not say he's as bad as the Poe Dameron from last year. And the pretty bad. And the Jin 3.75 figure looks pretty bad. Um, other than that, I am pretty fucking stoked. Um with the quality, I actually picked up a, a Kanan and a Sabine figure that came out in this line. 
And yeah. now I'm fucking online shopping for the other Rebels figures that I missed out on the previous lines because I got one. Now I need the other ones. And you need the rest. Those figures look really nice translated from the am- animation to the figures. Um, that Kanan, the Kanan and the Stormtrooper disguise is top notch. Top notch. Um, but what do you think, Will? What Do you think... Um, have you have you been out recently to see any Star Wars stuff, or um, have you no, not had the I chance? I haven't made it to a store that had any merch to really look at any of it. I gotcha. Um, but I will. I'll make it a point to. Just to peep out the situation. Probably hit up the Toys R Us, see what they got. Nice. Um, yeah, you know, I we'll see. You know, that's all we can really do with this. I don't think... They're going to cut down on... Now, if for some reason the Episode Eight line came out and really shit the bed, then yeah, I think you could see a step back in product for like the Han Solo movie. I think I just the, don't think it's possible. I don't either, because man, Star Wars collectors, we, we like Did, to buy stuff. Episode Eight yes. is going to have a Luke Skywalker figure, by yes. the way. With a lightsaber. And it's, it's going to have the next evolution of a Kylo Ren figure. And it's going to have the next evolution of a Ray figure. Like, there's no way. It just I, can't. It just can't sitting here up. talking about them, I need them now. Like, I will be there next Force Friday or whatever the fuck they call it. I will be there hunting down figures and giving myself an ulcer because I can't find a fucking Ray or, you know, the new Finn or whatever, you know? I hope he still has the jacket. I hope Finn keeps the jacket through the rest of the. Yeah, I like that as sort of... Like, I would like him to keep the jacket, but change the fucking Under Armour ju- jumpsuit out. Like, get something different yeah. under. under. Yeah. And take off... Have you ever looked at Finn's shoes? Like, on the figures no. and stuff? He's wearing, like, grandpa loafers. Is he really? Yeah. Like wallabies? Uh, I'm not sure what a wallaby looks like, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. But yeah, that's... Uh, that'll be... F- I can't wait, man. Like, that's really, like, if if the movie releasing is Christmas, then Force Friday is, like, Christmas Eve for me. Like, when the shit comes out and I get to see all the characters and read the card backs and... Yeah, oh, man. boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, uh, thanks for everybody uh, writing in and and uh, I guess you the could say... The greatest fan base out there. We got some great listeners. Great, great listeners. Um... I, um, you know, thanks for everybody, uh, writing in and I don't know, calling in, I guess you could say, leaving us voicemails. Thanks for your voicemails. Um, maybe next week we will have a new trailer to break down. Oh my God. That'd be so great. That would be great. Um, if we get an official announcement about it, uh, uh, we'll try to sort of tailor our recording because if it's not going to come out to like Friday night, then you know we'll wait till it comes out to record or whatever. But of course, when uh, when I hear some more news, I'll let you know, buddy. Thanks right, for uh, taking the time to record with me this week. I know you've been real busy, got your hands full. Like I said, you know I love it. You know I wouldn't miss it. Well, um, make sure you guys to follow our good buddy Will, my co-host, my fucking the Han Solo to my Chewy, the Salacious Crumb to my Jabba the Hut, the um. Uh, I don't know, man. The, the Dr. St- Evazan to your Ponda Bobo. <laughs> the, the Stormtrooper to my Dewback. Ooh. I just like that mental image because I'm, I'm 
painted up like in body paint like a lizard and you're riding my back. Mm. That's a Blue Harvest t-shirt for you guys Ooh, right there. <laughs> mm. Well, anyway, um, if you guys like our theme song, please support the band that was kind enough to let us use their music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can get their album High and Mighty on iTunes, on Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. The kings of crash, the sultans of shred. <laughs> you can also get shirts and shit at tpublic.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast, I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>